I'm delighted to welcome to the show today a lovely lady who I met recently, Sugra Kalik. Welcome to the show, Sugra. Thank you very much, Elaine. Thanks for inviting me. And I have to say, although the listeners won't uh, see this, you've got absolutely beautiful skin and that's part and parcel of what you do as a holistic therapist and trainer, isn't it, with, within spas? That's what I do. And the skin's become a bit of an obsession, really. So luckily, it kind of works really well with my work as well. It's been a, it's been a long term, a long term project with having suffered with a lot of skin issues myself. So, so um, most people that I interview on the programme have all come to what they're doing today as a result of something going wrong in their life and then them learning and training and so on and so forth. So, so um, tell, tell us about your story then, Sugra. I didn't really get into the holistic spa field until after about the age of 25. I knew there was always something there about it that I wanted to do. So the age of 25 for me was, it was a fair while ago. So it was something that in the background was just always talking to me. If I saw anything relating to aromatherapy, holistic healing, skin related things. And I worked at a university in Derby at the time and I just felt, I know that I want to go down this route, but I never actually really thought of it as a career. You know, when something's a passion, you don't always think of it as a career or think how it's going to turn into a career. So a great starting point for me was, you know what, let me just go and learn some of these therapies because I'm interested in the healing aspect, but I'm interested in the business aspect because I think this is also going to become a big business. And that's where it really started with me spending four years part time becoming a beauty therapist holistic therapist and actually I suffered with really bad acne in my 20s 30s and 40s and I'm probably one of those people I tried everything over the counter everything from the doctors um every I couldn't say online because at that time there wasn't the online and just tried everything from medication to holistic therapies um traditional non-traditional everything and it really it just got me into the spa business world. Um, so I feel like this has been my lifelong career, even though it was my second career, really. What was your first career? So I worked in administration and worked at a university for 10 years, which I absolutely loved. And, you know, when you look back at something and you think, I think well, that was the making of me. And I never really appreciated it at the time. So when you're 18 and you get thrown in headfirst, to deal with something because somebody thinks that you're probably capable and you can do it but you're not you're just learning on the job so dealing with parents students academics so dealing with the whole array of people and the way that they work and the way that they think you learn a lot in that time and you get a lot of responsibility put on you and being an admin actually it makes you organized and makes you see things in a certain way so when I've worked in business later I've sometimes I've been baffled at skills that people need to pick up because I think I took for granted what I learned in that time but it gave me such a solid base. I, I have this thing that nothing is ever wasted it doesn't matter what you do how you do it who you do it with nothing is ever wasted um, I, I think you know I, I now live in Portugal most of the time and uh, I'm now using uh, information that I first came across nearly 40 years ago and, it's, and I find it quite amusing, the fact that uh, I can now use this transferable knowledge that I've learned all that time ago, never dreaming that I'd be using it today. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And you said 20s, 30s and 40s. 
Um, yeah. I have to ask how old you are. You don't. You you, you barely look twenty five. Well, exactly two weeks ago, I turned forty eight. Wow. Well, congratulations <laughs> on your birthday. So you're a fellow Aquarian then. Yeah, I'm an Aquarian, and I think you know, like I do always say to ladies that. I'm not someone who says there's anything wrong with lines or wrinkles or you need to get rid of them. It's not that. When I ask most people what they want, they want to look fresh and radiant and not tired and just have the best skin they can have because we're all born into a skin that's susceptible to different things. So your skin is always a work in progress and susceptible to different things at different phases in your life. So I really help women to understand that and manage it the best they can. Brilliant. And people don't realise that the, the skin is our biggest organ, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it's subjected to everything. So it, it covers everything. It holds everything in. It's the first thing to face everything. Um, it collects a lifetime of, you know, you, you can call it debris if you like, or memories or both. So sometimes we don't treat it very well. And it shows all of our scars. It shows everything that you've been through. So it's having an appreciation for it. And I don't even really like to say imperfections. I don't like to use the word anti-aging because they're just character. It's just everything about yourself. There was um, probably, I don't know if you remember him, with it, that Sid James in the Carry On films. Yeah. Um, he had a face that I, I call a lived-in face. And some people Definitely. do have those kind of craggy, craggy lived-in faces that, that it does, does say everything, doesn't it, about them? and uh, wonderful yeah. faces yeah so so what kind of therapies do you do I'm qualified in quite a lot but my real passion and the things that I still work as a therapist in those fields is facial so advanced skin care reflexology and a few advanced forms of massage so one particular being Indonesian massage because it's it's powerful it has a great effect for the customer but on the side, when I teach it as well, it's a great therapy that therapists can deliver without exhausting themselves. So you're delivering a great result, but you're also looking after yourself at the same time. So you teach therapists on a whole wide range of um, activities? Yeah, so before I probably did it predominantly abroad. So this was mainly in Southeast Asia and the Middle East, but now I'm based mainly in the UK. So it's teaching people who are existing therapists either face therapists or body therapists to improve skills that they have and to develop and to empower them or to teach them something brand new that they've not learned before to either make them around a therapist or give them appreciation for a new skill which sometimes makes sense for the business sometimes it doesn't it just depends a lot of people think that having a massage is is a waste of time and it's indulgent well, well how would you respond to that I think it might have been once upon a time when we lived a different kind of life, but life has changed. And the challenge I give most people is I'll say, OK, if you feel that a massage is a waste of time and it's indulgent, the first thing I'd like you to try is every day at some point for five minutes, go and sit in a room by yourself where you won't be disturbed and switch your phone off and don't talk to anyone and just close your eyes. And if you can do that, let's see what happens as a result of that. And most people find that quite a challenge and they realize that they never do it. So because of the lifestyles that we've chosen to live and all the external factors that affect us, it's become a must because we all need that me time, quiet time, recharge your batteries. Your mind actually needs quiet time to work and solve problems. 
and to give you solutions and to give you new ideas. So because that space is so limited in our lives now, it, it's almost become essential. It's, I wish that I could give people a prescription of, right, this is for your monthly massage, you need this. I would say to my customers, once you book, be very afraid. It'll be very difficult to cancel because I need a good reason for your benefit, not for mine. And, and that's about putting yourself first, isn't it? You, you put your oxygen mask on first like they do on the airlines. And I think women in particular have always been anti um, looking after themselves first because there's the husband, the children, you know, elderly parents, whatever. We never put ourselves first, do we? We don't. And I think we're, it's because we're really wired differently to men. So I remember watching a segment on the Oprah show years ago and it just summed everything up. So it said, if you had a husband and a wife and you come home from work, the wife will very rarely say to the husband, oh, I need my feet massaging. And if he does massage her feet, she's going to be thinking, oh, he's so lovely. Oh, I'm so lucky. Oh, he's such a nice guy. You know what? Let me do his feet. If the husband asks the wife, the husband will have his feet massaged and thinking, this is amazing. Gosh, I so deserve this. Uh, I've really earned it. So the thinking is very different. So because we're programmed to give first, then we have that guilt attached to receiving. And actually, you're not equipped to give when you haven't looked after yourself first. So that's, that's the wiring, in effect, that we need to change. So do, do people get instant benefit when they've had a massage? I mean, what, what, what are the general benefits of having a massage? As somebody who, I, I can't bear anybody near me, I've got spine problems, and if anybody comes near me, I'd punch them rather than thank them. <laughs> I'll remember that Elaine so I think for somebody like you this is why we also have reflexology because reflexology in effect is a full body treatment but we're just exposing and working on the feet but you the benefits are for the full body so the immediate benefits will be of course relaxation and that you've had the time out and in that moment and for the foreseeable I guess evening and the rest of the day you'll probably have a better sleep if you weren't feeling too well or you had a headache it can get rid of that, makes you, I always make people talk about an immediate issues in their life and I'll say, right, just set the intention that you're going to work that out in this moment of silence that you've given yourself. So those immediate benefits definitely happen and um, I'll often get reports of, you know, I had a great sleep and I haven't slept properly for two weeks or I felt really energised the next day or actually I just wanted to go home and do a bit of work and I felt great and I was productive. So reflexology, how does, how does that work? Talk us through the, the, the concepts. I've had reflexology and again, um, I've had double bunion surgery and I've got metal pins in my feet and I'm not nice. So, but I've had um, a, a hot stone uh, reflexology session, a couple of those, and they were absolutely lovely, but uh, mm -hmm. the person was very, very, very careful with me. Okay, so I mean, firstly, I'd say it dates back more than 3000 years. So there's evidence of the ancient Egyptians working on each other's feet for healing purposes. So, and maybe it dates back further than that. But that's how far back we can trace it. They date further back, but that's the evidence that we have. And it's based on the principle and the belief that your feet are like a little map of your body and all your major organs and body systems can be mapped on the feet. And so it works on similar principles to, let's say, acupuncture, shiatsu, that there are energy meridians that run through the body. So right from the tips of your fingers to the tips of your toes. And what reflexology does by applying pressure to certain points in a set sequence, 
is it promotes homeostasis, so it promotes balance by clearing the energy channels, by stimulating the circulation, and it may also help to pick up imbalances that are happening in certain parts of the feet. So it's amazing for people who, let's say, they don't want to have a body massage or they can't have one, but actually it's much, it's much more powerful than just a body massage, and people use it for all sorts of ailments, such as um, IBS, migraines, um, problems with the monthly cycle. It can be used to treat women who are um, having fertility issues or going through IVF. So, you know, it's huge in that arena as well. And so for me, it's, it's probably my favorite treatment to offer and to teach. How can it help people with IBS and infertility? So if you, if you look at the feet anatomically, actually your foot is pretty much a direct reflection of your physical makeup. So if you look at the proportions in the body, the way the body is, the shape of the spine, that, that's all reflected in your own feet. So let's say you're working on the digestive area when you've created your map of the feet, working on that area will help with irritable bowel syndrome because you're working in that energy area you're clearing the energy channels in that area and you're clearing blockages. And because your feet have something like 3000 nerve endings, is, this is what makes it much more powerful than actually a body massage. So for the recipient, they'll, they'll experience a lot more, I guess, after effects as well. So, you know, without giving too much information, I will say, wow, that really made me go to the loo much more than normal or, I felt that I had a real detox and I feel much better. So if people have it regularly, this is when they'll really experience the longer term benefit. Interesting. You use the word detox. So I hadn't realised that um, it had detoxing effects. But when you think about it, that the process you go through, it would make sense. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, how, how do you how do you deal with people with cancer, for example? Because that's my sort of specialist area, supporting people through uh, recovery from cancer. So. How, how would you deal with somebody from uh, a cancer perspective? Or, or in fact, are you able to, to, um, to support people with cancer? I think it depends on you. And what happens is a lot of, there's a lot of scaremongering. So there'll be a lot of, right, you know, my insurance doesn't really cover me to work on you. And I feel often that if someone is undergoing chemotherapy, they're suffering from cancer or any other illness, actually, that's probably the time that you really need that treatment. And for someone to actually care for you in that way so the things to be aware of is what reflexology can do so if you're on any medication it can make that medication work faster in a way in your system that's not to say it's going to make the healing process faster it might speed up the effect of it so sometimes we're careful if someone's at the early stages of chemo because you're boosting the circulation so much that it might make them feel more ill initially so, you know, let's say if you had a headache and somebody massages your head and actually it could make you feel really nauseous in a, in a similar way, it could do that. But if somebody is performing OK on the therapy, you can adapt the reflexology so you can make it less stimulating. You can make it lighter. So you're doing it much more for relaxation purposes. And then as they come to the end of their chemotherapy, then you could start to work into your normal reflexology routine. Okay, and how about massage with um, with cancer? 
I would say that I'm much more likely to give somebody a massage rather than reflexology if they have cancer because the way to look at it is I'll say to clients and to students especially look if your client has cancer and she's at home and she's had a shower and you know she spends 20 minutes applying body lotion or she asks her partner to give her a little bit of a massage because she needs relaxation it's actually no different to giving somebody a body massage there would there might be certain movements that I would leave out so I probably wouldn't work around the lymph nodes too much I wouldn't make it too stimulating I would make it just much more lighter and for relaxation because the, I think the thing the person needs is that healing intention from your hands so you've decided for their greater good you're giving them this treatment to help them and that's what it does so there's there's a lot of adaptations that you can make which is really encouraging because there's so few oncology masses um, that I've met and um, I know there are some specialist uh, trainers that, that, that uh, train people with cancer because obviously as you say certain movements are, are you know complete no-nos but it's nice that you've got that uh, all-encompassing approach but again that goes with your experience doesn't it? And you, you, I think uh, so and it, I yes. think it can just be a confidence thing so Often when I've worked in spas, therapists will come and say, oh gosh, this person's diabetic or they're this or they've got high blood pressure. And it, it's just a confidence thing, really. So firstly, it's knowing how to be very realistic and talk to the person, make them feel comfortable and that actually everything that you're doing is for their, is for their benefit. And if you're not going to do it, it's going to be because it might be detrimental to them in some way. So it's establishing that rapport. And then from the years of experience, obviously, you understand that um, it it's not going to do any harm actually you can just adapt it and they they really really need it at that point in their life so um what what would be your top tips for people to relax i'm saying people it sounds as though predominantly you, you work with women is that right or have i misunderstood yeah i that? do i do so what um, would be your, your top tips for relaxation do you mean in terms of therapies generally or lifestyle um, lifestyle so I think it really starts from the moment that you wake up because I think what happens is you you can launch yourself into your day and I think establishing a daily routine is very important. So one of the things that I, I mean, I follow a lot of work over the people, you know, none of these things are things that I've invented. I just read a lot and study a lot. So I don't know if you've heard of SAVERS, which is an acronym for, I guess, a routine of what you can follow throughout the day. Um, and it really starts with having a moment of silence in the morning. So I think if you if you jump out of it and you launch yourself into your day without any thought or concept of, OK, what did I want to achieve from this day? What am I going to put into this day? Then the day will just follow suit. It will just be crazy. You'll be run ragged. You'll have been dictated to rather than having any level of control. So I feel setting intentions for your day. Um, having moments of silence throughout the day, especially when you have a moment of panic or high stress, whether it's work or family related, is to never underestimate that at any point in the day, you can go and sit by yourself and you can have five minutes and it could be in the car. It could be hiding in the bathroom. It can be anywhere. And to give yourself that, because I think where I get that from is my dad, who sadly passed away last year, always said that if you work your day around your prayer and meditation rather than the other way around 
you'll be doubly productive in the hours that you spend on work. So actually spending more hours and if you put those things in place first you'll be doubly productive in your day so what I try to motivate and inspire people to do is look have a planner write your three key things that you need to achieve for your family that day and three that you need to achieve for work that day because we can always put more hours into work we can always put more time in but if you if you have a level of organisation or a system, there should be a point in the day where you think, I feel really satisfied and I'm putting that area of my life to bed and now I'm going to focus on the family or I'm going to exercise. So I think it's being realistic, having a plan. And then if you just start again the next day, um, I think just recently I started a concept or a, I guess a an initiative which is you know it's not a money-making initiative it was just an wellness and it's about the psychology behind if you want to make positive change in your life just do it in really small increments and I started this with a group of people in December where it was one new thing that you add into your life every 21 days so it's a habit around wellness and once you've done the 21 days you add in a new habit, but you keep the first one as well. So it's not about removing anything. It's not about substituting anything. It's adding new habits that are to do with wellness. So in a year, you will have implemented 17 new habits into your life. And that's how change happens, just with small incremental changes. So I don't believe in New Year's resolutions and all that kind of thing. I just think you have to go easy on And we spend, we spend so long getting ourselves into a situation where we're not happy not happy with maybe how we look how we feel that we should be willing to give ourselves a year to turn that around slowly and sometimes people are not willing to give themselves that time so that's what I'm trying to encourage people to do that sounds really sensible 17 new things in a year it sounds undoable you know impossible but then when you break it down <coughs> excuse me a new habit every 21 days that's that sounds doable doesn't yeah. it so bite-sized yeah definitely yeah yeah we're talking about yeah. saver the acronym saver silence and setting intentions what were the other bits of saver oh the first one is silence so it's making sure you have a moment of silence when you wake up the second one is that you say to yourself and one of the ones i always try to get people to adopt i mean it's just a louise hay one really to say all is well in my world because i've seen the majority of the time at any point in the day all is well we just dramatize it because we're listening to the voice in the head the third one is visualization and i i appreciate visualization doesn't always work for everybody but it can happen through regular moments of silence and meditation so it's visualizing it could be an outcome for the day it could be something that you're working towards um it could be something in your business it could be something in your life the e is exercise so really movement, whatever type of movement suits you, even if it's a five minute walk around the block, it can be that. Then the R is reading. So, and that's all to do with personal development or it could be timeouts. It could be a novel or it could be personal development related. And then the final one, the S stands for scribing. 
which is really writing. So thinking about journaling and writing down, it could be gratitude, it could be what you've learned in the day, what you did that you're really proud of. Um, and in reality, it's not something that can take a long time. So I would say all of those things together, you know, you, it could be an hour, but it can be an hour broken up throughout the day. Very sensible advice. Thank you. So um, we're going to have to stop now because this uh, stop start with electric power cuts. The weather today is horrendous. We've had three power cuts already today here. So oh, yeah. uh, struggling a bit with it, with this recording. Um, but thank you very much for your tips there, Sugra. Um, I asked no guests to choose a couple of songs and you've chosen two by Sia, Unstoppable yeah. and Never Give Up. Why did you choose these? I think I've become aware <coughs> of Sia for the last few years. And when I listen to the songs, they always have a strong message. And I was related to women because I'm a woman and that's who I relate to and that's my tribe of people. And But the way that she sings and the emotion that she conveys it's almost very much like unstoppable, um, never give up because in life you are always going to face hardship and that, that's a given, but it depends how you look at it and it depends how you work on building yourself up and building resilience. So it, it's really just to say that you can achieve anything in the face of anything. And I'm a, I've always been a believer of that and it just more and more strongly as I get older, really. I endorse that wholeheartedly. How do people get hold of you, Sugra? They can get hold of me on LinkedIn, just under my own name. They can get hold of me on social media, so my Facebook profile and also on Instagram. I think you, you need to spell your name, I think, for, for the benefit of the listeners. Okay, so my first name, Sugra, is S for Sugar, U-G-H-R-A. And my surname is Kalik, K-H-A-L-I-Q. And there are not too many of us on Facebook or LinkedIn. So hopefully I should come up. Okay, brilliant. Sugra Kalik, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks so much, Elaine. All the best.